Welcome to the next episode of Focus Lex. For this episode, we have with us Hamsini Marda. She graduated from ILS in 2017. After her graduation, she worked as a judicial clerk with Justice Mukta Gupta at the Delhi High Court. Thereafter, she did her LLM from the University of Cambridge. Currently, she is working as an assistant professor at the Jindal Global Law School. In this interview, she shares her journey and provides insights about learning law. Welcome to this podcast. To start off with, why did you join law? Um, I was always interested in humanities and social sciences. Um, ever since my uh, childhood, I would say fifth or sixth standard onwards. So I thought that this would be one of the streams that I can actually take to pursue a career in. Um, so yeah, so I think my interest started with history and political science and interest in politics and international relations and slowly realized that when it comes to law, it is more or less uh, encompassing all these areas. Uh, so yeah, that's how I, I really don't have any, um, you know, uh, family members or friends who took law before me. So I was uh, as lost as anyone else would be in the law school without a law background. But uh, I think my main interest would be from these subject areas that I was interested in back in school. While at ILS, you did a diploma in human rights law and also a summer course in international law. How important are extra courses considering ILS's syllabus? I think diplomas and extra courses are very important. Um, because uh, the idea behind the diplomas and extra courses is they give you um, extra information and knowledge, right? So most of the time, the syllabus that is drafted by your BCI and all is set. And uh, it's always important to supplement that with these extra information, especially if, uh, say, someone is interested in international law. Uh, we don't have very hard for international, international law courses in college. Uh, so the best way to do that is to maybe take up these extra courses, do diplomas. You don't even have to pay for doing these diplomas or extra course, uh, courses. You have Coursera, you have edX, you have Harvard X and you know Berkeley X and all these uh, various distance programs which are free courses. The idea behind this is to just uh, get as much knowledge and information that is possible so that you can you know think of a career or even write or uh, do internships in that area with that alignment. So the idea behind doing these courses is just to supplement your knowledge additionally. That will just help you make better informed decisions, uh, be it for writing or in your career choices later. And of course, if you want to put it on your CV, then yeah, I mean, these diplomas and all help. I think it definitely helped me for my LLM because um, in my LLM, one of my subjects was international human rights. So this human rights diploma definitely did uh, play um, a big part in them selecting me because I could supplement uh, the information regarding that, how it really helped me to uh, develop an interest in this area further uh, in my application. I could actually uh, bring in evidence in my application with respect to it. So it did definitely help in that aspect. But otherwise as well, um, I think it's extremely important to always constantly keep learning something additionally, you know, uh, side by side with your uh, syllabus, be it ILS or any other college for that matter. It's always um, important to do this. 
ILS's syllabus was amended in 2017 and thereafter we don't have law subjects for the first two years. The last subject in the last semester is that of mooting and internships. So the purpose over five years is to enable one to moot and intern. Now considering the syllabus, how should ILS's students study while at college? How should they study especially in the first two years when they don't have any law subjects? Okay, uh, so um, all right, it becomes important nevertheless to acquaint yourself with basic laws because you will start interning, you will start writing. Uh, so uh, of course, it does not make much sense to wait till the third year of your law school to um, get, get acquainted with law. So see, again, I think for this, a lot of self-discipline is required to begin with. You should be motivated enough to actually pick up a law book or anything related to law and start reading it on your own, right? And making notes on your own, create your own knowledge repository. So uh, firstly, you need that motivation to do that because I understand I would, I was, I wouldn't say I was one of those extremely motivated or disciplined students back in college who would, you know, pick things up, you know, on her own and would do it. Um, especially if it is not a part of the syllabus, but, uh, I think the larger thing over here is to understand that it is important uh, to not wait till the third year. So you are forced to actually pick up these books and read uh, beforehand. So some of the fun ways to do that instead of books would be, you know, like listening to some podcasts or, um, you know, uh, interviews by uh, like some legal scholars, especially podcasts. Of late, you've started having like really good podcasts. To begin with something like jurisprudence can be um, jurisp there are really good jurisprudence po podcasts on your Google podcasts or Spotify or Apple podcasts or whatever. So one of them is legality by Scott Shapiro. Um, you have uh, talking politics and history of ideas. Uh, I think it's a London review of book podcast. And then you have the seen and unseen by Amit Parma. It is a politics related podcast, but quite often there are very interesting legal issues also that crop up in Amit Verma's podcasts. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple other podcasts of these law schools and universities like Cambridge, Oxford, Harvard, Berkeley, all of them, they have uh, really good podcasts and seminar lectures on international law, constitutional law, jurisprudence, and various other things. So look look for these podcasts and, you know, try to uh, make it a routine, like just, just make it a habit to listen to them co consistently, right? So that would be really, really helpful. Apart from that, you might not like want to dig into books directly because yes, I understand books require a lot of motivation again to pick one huge book up and read it. It would um, take a lot of uh, energy and motivation. But what you can also do uh, is to maybe overcome this, you can maybe create a reading group with your friends, right? And creating a reading group is very helpful because you will, uh, you can pick up one book per month or over a fortnight and uh, say that, okay, we'll read two, three chapters from this and then we can just discuss it, right? Like you guys are conducting a podcast with, podcast with uh, you know, your seniors right now. So you can conduct a seminar series of your own student constitutional law reading group you know series or something like that where you meet weekly or monthly once or whatever whatever suits you pick up certain books pick up certain chapters and discuss the aspects of it discuss the case laws related to um, a new topic or something like that so that way reading books can become fun 
um i'll try to share a list of books that were at least helpful for me back in college and which i am extremely dependent on some generic books that i'm extremely dependent on even now um you know in a list or something i'll share a uh ms word document or something with you after the podcast uh but yeah so so do something like that and one more thing is get into the habit of um reading uh, articles journal articles they they are quicker to read but this so important because we never told i was at least never told back in my college like days back in my college days as to how to actually get through a whole journal article right um we just have the bias against them because they they're mostly complicated and difficult to understand but the idea behind all this is to read as much as you can the more you read the better acquainted you would be with uh legal language right so read a lot of journal articles and they 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 mostly very basic common ones which are pertaining to uh the latest issues like there are a lot of open access journals you don't even have to look into the paid journals for now there are a lot, lot of open access journals like the yale journal of law and humanities or your national law school uh, of india law review then you have your social legal studies uh, social legal review again by nilis bangalore nujs law review so these reviews have uh, latest topics that are being discussed in them uh, they accept submissions on a rolling basis so you can also write uh to them so get into the habit of first reading the journals as much as you can at least in the first year don't be in a hurry to publish okay just just get into the habit of reading as much as you can so create these accountability in reading by doing that so that would be very helpful also one more thing is i think which again i never did uh i did it only for very few classes actually um uh just get into the habit of reading before the class no matter what the subject is even if it is not a law subject you need to understand that in your first two years you'll have political science history sociology now these are very 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 important to build a good concrete foundation for your law subjects so in a way it is good that they are spending so much time on teaching you these humanities related subjects because this is the time when you have more free time also to actually explore various other courses online or something like that related to these subjects and spend in good amount of time in understanding the basics create a good foundation right so spend good time on this but read before the class definitely read before the class the idea is not only to prepare for exam or only study law law does not exist in void okay uh, so you need to understand that it is very interconnected with the subjects that you are studying in your first two years so the idea is to not neglect them because of picking up law only in your third year right so that is something that is important and what you can do from second year onwards is start writing right once you read once you accumulate enough knowledge you can slowly start writing don't aim for big journals right look at small blogs first okay see what is the topic that is interesting you see how you can mix it up with your syllabus that is there already right if you're studying sociology how can you mix it up with some small legal aspect you know you don't even have to get into the depths of it right and see how you can write like whip up at least 500 to 1000 words so get into that consistent habit of writing so writing will come naturally once you start reading you know? so keep writing regularly and that would be very 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 helpful so i think these steps should uh keep you uh, on track uh, in your first two years of law school 
What would your advice be to students who wish to learn and improve their English? Um, see again with respect to learning English or any other language for that matter. For example, if I want to practice in Maharashtra and I need to hone my Marathi skills, or if I want to write in Marathi, then I have to like hone my Marathi skills, or even for that matter, English. Uh, so any language, any language, uh, requires you to just again read and maybe communicate and then write. Um, for English, especially, there are books. Uh, uh, like, uh, I mean, again, like how, how legal, on on legal writing and all. I can't really think about like I can't remember the names of the authors instantly, but uh, just just read the books on legal writing and all, and keep writing. The idea is practice again, right? Reading books won't really help um, these uh, things. So academic writing and legal writing and just talking, you know, conversing, all this can happen. Uh, only when you do it. So again, I think the starting tip would be to read, to read as much as you can. Especially if you want to learn a new language, the idea is to read more and more. You'll have to put in that extra effort, and then start writing in it. Start communicating in that language. Participate. Throw yourself into the well. Right. The idea is not to restrict yourself or restrain yourself. If you feel that you're uncomfortable with a given language. throw yourself into the well because you want to learn okay so talk more talk to people converse in that language look for these books that will help you improve your legal language and legal writing or english uh, or for that matter anything and then accordingly start writing in so reading and writing will definitely help you uh, get better in this i'm i won't have any specific advice when it comes to this but i think the generic advice i can give is with respect to reading and writing when it comes to learning a language Okay, I don't know if it's helpful, helpful, but yeah, <laughs> it is very helpful. Now, after IELTS, you went to Cambridge, and you also mm -hmm. went to the International Academy of Arbitration Law in Paris on a full scholarship. How was yeah. your experience of studying at these three places different? Okay, so uh, IELTS definitely prepared me for uh, uh, you know in in terms of because because in IELTS we don't have a very a uh, strict regulation that is happening in terms of how we are you know performing on a day to day basis right like at least during our time i don't know what's the scene with you people post 2017 but during our time we never had internal assessments we only had external like one exam towards the end of the uh, um semester because of which i never i mean this is a mistake right which i did and i i really i'm still trying to learn from this uh, but yeah so so i never prepared for classes uh, say i never read before the classes i never had a set reading material before a particular class or i never wrote uh, uh, you know sufficiently enough you know these essays on a particular topic and all that um i did end up preparing during the exams in that one month two months break that we had and somehow managed to give the exams right like that that's that the trend of most of the students in ILL um at least during our time now um when i went to cambridge i think this was the biggest uh, struggle for me uh you know in terms of writing good academic quality essays or understanding what is happening in the class so the classes were not uh, informative in terms of them giving a lecture or giving you information feeding you with information so that you can write things down the classes were 
more focused on discussions you know they assume that you already know a lot and that's why you're doing a masters degree right so they expect you to contribute to that academic dialogue any masters courses like that so you need to understand this that firstly before you get into the masters or any other further studies that you do it will be very different from your undergraduate in terms of they would expect you to know stuff already for which what you're supposed to do is read before the classes develop a good amount of knowledge sufficient amount of knowledge in that area before your classes and then you go to class so that you will also be able to participate in that academic dialogue and then come back from the class and again hone your notes refine the thoughts that you you know like that that were floated in the class and then develop some develop it further right and then that's how you'll be actually preparing for your final exams and assessments so we ha- also had constantly we had these formative essays in cambridge where they are um, assessing your um, you know um, like progress over the lectures through formative essays and very abstract questions you will get so the, the the way knowledge was imparted also was very theoretical uh, i wouldn't say it's the same in american law schools but again i'm not the one who's very experienced with american law schools so i wouldn't uh, know exactly but this is what i've been told uh, but at least in cambridge it was extremely theoretical um, the way the the information was given to us so that really helped because i never thought in terms of theory because for me law was always about practice you know you have to anyway go and practice in the courts so how does it matter why we getting into so much of jurisprudence and theory but i was so wrong theory is very 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 important to develop a particular argument or even for that matter even even in the law even in the courts when you are practicing the idea is to look at a particular provision of law and be able to criticize it or look at it in a critical manner or appreciate it instead of blindly applying the law and arguing your case right so theory mm-hmm. would prepare you for that theory would give you a good debate behind the whole you know topic and that's why it would prepare you to think critically and that's why theory is very very important so cambridge definitely helped me in getting that theoretical bend of mind which i really did not focus on when i was in my undergrad so the sooner you start developing your affinity towards legal theory or political theory or philosophy in general the better would it be uh for it for, for anything i'm not saying this only from um academics perspective because i'm you know uh teaching right now uh but that will all always be helpful even if you're litigating because the best of litigating lawyers that i've seen in my uh you know short uh, uh period in delhi high court they knew their theory well so if the judge asks them a question regarding something regarding a particular provision they could debate over it they could critically analyze it for the judge despite the lack of interpretation in that you know particular provision so that's why theory is very helpful so the theoretical bend of mind came in naturally and even for corporate law or legal firms when you're writing your opinions when you're talking to your clients these things become important nevertheless right so theory is important for no matter what career direction you choose in law right not just academics so that was one really good thing uh, that you know happened to me uh, in my masters and uh, beyond that i think uh, you know in general uh, you just meet people from different jurisdictions different countries that anyway expands your way of thinking and 
looking at a particular provision of law or a topic in general so so i think that's always helpful meeting different people thinking about different perspectives will always be helpful for you so that is with cambridge and then after which i went to uh, the paris arbitration academy and um, in paris arbitration academy our course was on investment law arbitration investment treaty arbitration um in a way that was helpful for me because in my masters i ended up taking um um international arbitration investment arbitration as one of my subjects so that that was just an addition to what i already did in my masters so it it really helped me and in these summer courses what happens is both the summer course that i did back in ils also um on international law in isil in delhi or uh, when i was in ils that as well as this paris arbitration academy some course in both these courses the benefit was that you are made to uh be uh like around the experts in that particular field right you are lectured by these experts in uh, that particular field so darais kambata was there he he spoke wow. about india and yeah he was there and he spoke about india and investment treaty arbitration and uh, then uh, we had kaufman kohler zachary douglas all these names and you know famous names in investment treaty arbitration and international commercial arbitration so they were there and 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 the best part is you are constantly debating on the latest issues right so again over there you you are expected to know things from before no one discusses the basics so just understand this that this is the time for you guys to you know build up on your basics because once you are left out you know uh, after your undergrad you would be expected to know things of course there's no pressure that you should know anything and everything but at least that one you know uh, one small thing that you choose for example you like constitutional law so you you just have to put in that effort to at least know the basics in it right so that you're not completely lost after your 5 years of law school uh when someone asks you something regarding your area of interest so yeah you you're not expected to know everything but if you choose to do something you are expected to know something at least in it so use uh, this time pretty well because i at least uh faced a lot of difficulties to be honest uh once uh, i was in my masters course and even in paris i mean they were all uh, great experts in arbitration at least around me a lot of practitioners so i did have my own uh, share of struggle so i had to put in a lot of efforts to catch up uh so yeah so the sooner you, we start putting these efforts the better it would be for us in future and that's a wonderful answer now time at law school can be very hectic so how should how do you think one should manage one one's time is there any formula to it uh no one formula works for all uh it's always good to have a schedule because you have a lot of time right uh, in law school uh, so the first thing is to have a schedule have a routine for yourself if you're a morning person wake up early take out those 2 hours before college to do your readings and uh, prepare on whatever you are planning to do for the day so so have a schedule for yourself figure out what is the productive time for you um and just do it so at least in my masters uh during our inductions in the first week of college i was told this by one of the you know llm advisors she said this that divide your day into the 8 hour rule all right the 8 hour rule is that you have 8 hours to sleep which is very very important 8 hours to do other things okay that can be your 
एक्स्ट्रा करिकुलर्स ईटिंग चैरिंग विथ फ्रेंड्स चिलिंग ऑल दैट कीप एट आवर्स एंड द रेस्ट ऑफ दी एट आवर्स फोकस ऑन स्टडिंग ओके एटलीस्ट ना मास्टर्स क्लासेस यूज टू नॉट बी इंक्लूडेड इन दोज एट आवर्स ऑल राइट बट यू कैन स्टार्ट स्लो यू डोंट हैव टू लाइक टेकिंग सो मच बिकॉज यू हैव फाइव ईयर्स using everything in one year in masters course so we had to like study for eight hours but if not you know even if your classes are for four hours in a day take out the rest of the four hours to study all right start slow and then slowly start increasing the hours as and when um, you know it depends on what's happening if you're doing a moot or you're preparing for something else writing a paper just start increasing your hours of study but keep that those four hours or five hours or six hours intact for only studying and studying doesn't mean you have to like uh be all anxious and read everything and underline and make notes no just read law for fun even that could come under your uh eight hours of you know studying law so spend time with law right so if you divide your day into hours and chunks and create those time blocks i think it's very very helpful uh having a routine having a schedule is very very helpful otherwise we tend to get lost So, right yeah. that's a very important tip um building on what you said a little earlier about you know being good with theory but uh, but apart from theory what do you think are the skills that students should develop in law school or especially at ILS because once they graduate they are, they would be entering the professional field so what kind of skills do you think one should work on while they are in law school uh so i don't know if sincerity counts as a skill but i think it's very important Mm-hmm. um you know being sincere as a student because that sincerity goes a long way uh, be sincere towards your work be sincere towards what you're reading because i think sincerity is something that is very appreciated in your internships as well as in your uh, you know law firms or wherever you are working right uh, because that just shows that the person the other person can trust right so that is very important to begin with and that can only come when you're sincere with yourself and your work and that would naturally translate into your uh, work space as well later in future so that is important um apart from sincerity of course uh, the other skills are to just read through the documents quickly and write your briefs or notes quickly you know when you're giving an opinion to a client or if you are submitting anything to your boss so your research skills are very important right and how can you how can your research skills get better the more you research during law school the better it is for you again so uh researching on your manupatra or sec online or in your of your research sources uh, and uh, skimming through your case laws and reading them getting a hold of what the content is what the ratio is what is the orbiter and all these very as quick as possible is the idea behind uh you know like having a good skill set when you are interning or when you are working right to get work done quickly so uh, again the, the the idea behind this is and how can this better is by um like read the cases when you are in law school instead of reading the summaries of the cases because once you start practicing even when you're teaching or even when you are in a research position in future or even if you're litigating uh in any case you have to end up going through those bulky documents 
right so for that you have to develop your reading speed you have to develop that skill of retaining certain things and skipping certain things because if you're given a huge file by a judge or your boss you wouldn't end up reading the whole file but you should be in a position to go through it in an hour and brief your senior you know with respect to yeah. what the practices right so that is important so how do you do that you do that while by improving your reading speed how do you do that by reading more and how do you know what to retain by reading more so you read these huge journal articles you read these huge cases just when when a new case comes out read it read your navdeep singh and putuswami even if they run run up to 500 pages because trust me once you get through those 500 pages you will exactly know while getting through those 500 pages you'll exactly know what to skip and what not to skip is it a good way to write a judgment not at all right you don't write such huge but well sadly that is what happens right so you need to know what to extract out of it okay so the idea is to read from now itself all these new judgments that come out read prepare your notes have a repository with you this is something i think this is a golden uh, you know opinion that i was given advice that i was given by one of my seniors uh, in the court uh, have a repository uh, if you come across an interesting case and for example it's on privacy put it under the privacy tab in your folder okay create a folder with lot of subfolders with lot of subtopics and keep putting those cases and articles under those folders right so tomorrow when you are asked to like quickly look at some issue you should be able to just go to your folder and first that should be your first point of contact where you go look at the important cases and everything that you've accumulated on your own because you've already gone through them right and then from there on you can like look at additional sources and search so i think that will be super helpful so organization so sincerity is there then quick reading and quick writing because that that will happen only while you read more and more as in when you read more and more and the third thing is organizing your work uh, organization will take you a long long way prepare your to do list every morning be it as a law student or as a lawyer later and stick to it organize your folders in your laptop very properly uh, like demarcate your research properly in various folders so this will take you a long way it will save up a lot of time in future right um one thing that most one thing that most law students struggle with is deciding what to do after college so how would you suggest going about going about it and how did you make your decision of getting into academia i uh, trust me i was as lost as anyone <laughs> be i'm uh uh see there's no one way to go about it you will never be sure of what you want to do okay and that's okay uh mm-hmm. you don't have to be sure of what you want to do but if you think that there is at least something that has caught your interest you know try to go in that direction try it you don't like it leave it so even back in ils i would say that i tried everything like you know i i did the university diploma but i also did the corporate not diploma which i really don't and uh, uh, I, i after doing that i realized that it is something i didn't want to do right similarly mm-hmm. uh, like i've tried different interns back in college i think that's very important uh, trying out different internships because at least you'll have a rough idea as to what you like and what you don't like by the time you reach your fifth year i tried different types like litigation corporate firms it was a big no no for me uh i enjoyed uh, litigation interns uh, i enjoyed research related internships so then i knew that okay this is you know something i like so it, it's it's a hit and try method 
and eliminate eliminate what goes right so that you with you know some choices um so yeah so then i thought that more or less i will end up joining a litigation council but if a clerkship works out i will you know start clerking uh luckily it did work out and i ended up clerking but yeah it it all happened through uh this hidden try and eliminating method so it's it's completely okay to not be extremely sure of what you like and how i ended up in academia is an interesting question because i think i wanted to get into academia but somewhere later much much later after my hair starts graying or something like that <laughs> i never really imagined that i would start uh, academia in my mid 20s or late 20s uh, but um, i think cambridge did shape my uh, opinion or even my interest it did just like inculcate my interest in academia even more because i interacted with a lot of phd students who were also supervisors for us um, you know in the classes they they were assisting the professors and i spoke to them and they they used to like take these small tutorial sessions for us and they were so good and i always you know enjoyed being in their uh, tutorial sessions and i thought that yeah teaching is something i would want to do and um, luckily jindal uh, did come to cambridge for recruiting people and um, i you know got an offer letter uh, while i was in cambridge and uh, but i was again unsure as to you know if i should take it or not but i ended up accepting the uh, offer but when i was in paris um, i i um, ended up meeting darius kambata he was taking a lecture um, on indian investment arbitration as i mentioned before and mm-hmm. i did end up asking him again he was a practitioner he was a practitioner so uh, i was like should i i mean is it is it wise enough to get into academia uh at this age or should i be another 10 years and then get uh to which he very clearly told me uh and he stays with me forever uh he said that um um you know th- th- these are very different like uh, your litigation requires a very different set and alignment and academia requires a very different Uh, alignment of course there are visiting professor positions of course you know you can do all these things but if you want to devote yourself to teaching as an educator right why don't you just get into right because with every lecture you'll see yourself improve with every lecture you'll only get better with every lecture you'll know that you get becoming a better teacher right, right. so that you need to give it enough time right so get into it as soon as possible so i think after that i definitely made up my mind and now it's been 2 years uh, i think almost and uh, i'm i'm extremely happy with my decision of picking up so i think yeah it's it's a process it's a journey and it's okay if you're not able to figure things out do that job leave it get into the next one okay but the idea is to keep constantly hunting for these uh, opportunities right you don't have to a uh, crib about being in a place just just look for another opportunity and shift that's it so keep your uh, yourself vigilant and hunt for opportunities and move on so yeah that that will be my advice especially that's a wonderful advice and a very positive way to look about it actually um <laughs> moving ahead um what advice uh, would you give to students for um, advocacy skills competitions like moot courts and negotiation competitions that happen while in college and then uh, how and how should students approach publications while they are in law school 
okay these are two different questions so yes. to answer the advocacy skills related stuff firstly uh participate okay don't stop yourself from participating i was a terrible speaker like i was hopeless as a speaker but i nevertheless you know i never gave up i just kept participating and i could see the difference over you know like from my first year to fifth year in the way i spoke and now because i have to speak all the time in the class as so uh it has changed a lot so i think the, the first step is to please participate uh and secondly uh see there's no there's there's nothing much i can actually say in this because the more you participate the better you'll get at it and don't don't think and and it's all about researching right just enjoy the process understand that when you are working on a particular mood problem or anything that is something that's going to stay with you forever right those skills that you attain the knowledge that you attain from that mood problem you are into it for good 3 to 4 months in preparing that's why whatever skills you get out of it will stay with you forever uh right so uh, this is something i i can say regarding arbitration because a lot of times what happens is you know linking it to your previous question as to what you want to do in future right uh my interest in arbitration i no longer am interested in arbitration by the way uh i did a lot of arbitration related stuff and my interest has changed again right so it's bound to change but back in college at least i was so much i, I was like okay if i'm joining the litigation council it has to be someone who's arbitrating um so uh that that started with a moot court competition that started with wiz and uh, it stays with me till now like uh no matter what if someone asks me about the group of companies doctrine or emergency arbitration these are the things that i would i would never forget because we worked on it for this month so i think advocacy skills are all about just first participating it in it and doing it and like digging deep and understanding and um like enjoying the whole process because it's a lot of research from not just what you've been learning in your college but in and around everything surrounding it right so okay. uh, just enjoy that how do you improve in it well the more and more you do uh, these you know moot court competitions and speaking you'll realize that you're just getting better now this can be a separate answer in itself so i don't want to get into it much but just participate and do more of it and you'll just get better at it and uh, try different types of moods if you think that this is a topic that intrigues you but you've not been taught much or you want to do something in it just just go sign up for that mood if possible depending on what your inductions are and do it uh with respect to publications as i mentioned before don't be in a hurry to publish uh we are always in a hurry to build this you know cv that looks the best or something please don't do that you you should like take it slow first read properly get into the habit of reading these journals then identify what your area of interest is for example currently i am interested in art and law okay aesthetics and law now it's uh, a peculiar topic in the sense that you don't have a lot of journals catering to that in india so i would like look at what these journals are otherwise right like law and humanities related journals or social social legal law review and these things might you know um, accommodate this topic to an extent right so you would look you should identify what these journals are so you need list of those journals okay and then see how people are writing in that journals because every journal has a style all right every journal has a style of research 
and every journal has a style of writing so get acquainted with that spend good amount of time in understanding what kind of articles are written in this okay right. and then from there pick up you know like identify your topic create a proper legal question or whatever research question and start writing on it okay so that is a journal publication uh, if you want to like publish on blog uh look at these different blogs see what the submission guidelines are sometimes there are a lot of places where they ask you to pitch first before you write a full fledged article so make sure that your pitch is very concrete and good don't give away too much in your pitch because what if they reject right you can't give away your main argument in it but you can like write your pitch regarding you know i want to like i'm interested in so and so and i would like to write about so and so and so and is there a possibility of my article getting published in your blog so if they say yes that sounds interesting do write to us we'll edit it then go ahead with it right so so look for these various blogs and you don't have to limit yourself to blogs in india look at there are a lot of international law international blogs uh, uh you know of different universities like lse and you know your european journal of international law oxford LSE human has- rights blog Oxford Human Rights Blog, Oxford Human Rights Hub, and so many other blogs, right? In US, all these universities, Leiden, check out the blogs that they have, and even Harvard has something. I I'm forgetting the name. Uh, so there are multiple, you know, uh, blogs that publish articles from students from around the world. So look at these, uh, uh, you know, other blogs and uh, be. extremely sure of what is going out there right like because once it's published it's in public domain forever okay so i would say that exercise this with caution because we are always in a hurry to publish but that's not a very great idea be extremely sure of what you are putting out there in public domain okay because it will always be there once it's on the internet it's always on the internet so be very sure of what you're publishing don't be in a hurry right so yeah that's Right. Um I also want to know when did you decide that you wanted to do LLM and what motivated you to do it Uh again uh I think um I always wanted to do an LLM uh from the very beginning from my first or second year of the university when uh my seniors my fifth years and uh, if I can in fact name them Madhuprita Shruti Tulpule both of them they went to oxford um um and uh, i was i was so motivated by seeing them to be honest and uh, that 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 played a huge part in me also wanting to be focused and pursuing an llm from one of these universities uh but uh, so yeah so because i i think because of which i always had it in the back of my head that i would you know go for an llm and uh once i got my judicial clerkship i also had a lot of free time in hand wherein i could um make an application for the llm so i thought i i might as well use that free time in like making an application as soon as judicial clerkship gets over i can start i can maybe go uh for my llm and then come back and start practicing or teaching or whatever so yeah so so that was it i think the motivation was from my own seniors and um so yeah it started from there and then uh after which yeah i just thought of applying it during my clerkship that's it there's no other uh, you know formula to it it was it just happened because i wanted it to right. like and, uh, from the beginning right and how do you think your judicial clerkship or how do you think judicial clerkships help uh, for uh, rlm admissions abroad especially 
see to be honest yes there are a lot of people who say that judicial clerkships are very helpful for llm applications i don't know i'm not very convinced with that ideology in the end mm-hmm. your llm application should be yours right it's your journey it's what you make out of it to write that application whatever you do in your law school so what is important is your focus your consistency in that thing right so if you're making an llm application they need to see your focus and consistency in whatever you've done for example if someone wants to do an llm in arbitration it's good to show that focus in arbitration through not only your marks right it's it's your moot courts or your publications or your internships so those things will add on to it a clerkship is it really adding the question that you have to ask yourself is whether this clerkship under so and so judge going to add on to my own experience with respect to whatever my journey is right if it is not really going to add on to it you can just let it be you don't have to do it so don't uh, be under this misconception that a judicial clerkship is a necessity for a good llm application no i had a lot of friends my peers who were nowhere close to a clerkship but have done have gotten through the best of universities around the world right so uh, it's it's about your journey it's about so so it's important to show your focus in what you've done i think that yeah. the key to a good llm application like you you need to be consistent and focused in whatever you've done right thank you um how do you think then one should go about selecting universities uh, to apply to especially abroad because there are so many options um how does one decide okay so first make an excel sheet <laughs> and uh, right. then um identify what your areas of interest are okay and then look at universities um, that are offering those courses see there's no shortcut to it again uh, one shortcut may be to see look at your seniors who've done an llm in those areas from those particular universities catch hold of them and ask them you know about various universities and put them down in the list that actually that's a smart thing to do do that first like talk to people and take down their lists first i mean like write them down first and then maybe do your research of like like this is a very time taking process but this is what i did to figure out what all universities are there for say international law which will be really helpful for you right so that is one thing subject matter subject area right so that is one way of uh, selecting university and then figure out what are the scholarship opportunities what are various other scholarships that a particular college offers and you know keep these things as the parameter uh, rather than like uh, looking at and applying to some 15 different universities i would say narrow it down to good four to five or six at max because you know there are only so many universities that you would want to go to right so you would rather like write them down first and then work towards it and look at what are the subjects that they offer and do those things and then go ahead with it. um right what can one do to get scholarships there so again there is no uh, straight jacket formula one when it comes to getting scholarships because the scholarship situation is always dicey especially uh, in the middle of a pandemic you never know right, uh, right. How, how 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 the funding would get affected and all that uh what you can do to get a scholarship again is the uh is to know how to write those scholarship applications so get in touch with people who've gotten these scholarships in the past feel free to get in touch with people write write to them on linkedin write to them on their if you have their email id just shoot a mail 
ask for help because uh, yeah. again there's no straight jacket formula as i said right so um, some scholarships are merit based some scholarships are need based but i would say this that do given your best when it comes to applying for a scholarship right like do all that you can sometimes you know you just have to tell the university that listen i'll not be able to fund even a partial scholarship would be really helpful you never know if they have some extra funds they might just give you all that is required for you to do is to ask a lot of times uh you know we are told that oh don't you forget it i mean scholarships very tough to get so don't even bother about applying for scholarships right mm-hmm. i mean i i think i again made a mistake when it comes to scholarships while i was going for my llm where i really thought that okay i don't deserve a scholarship maybe because i'm not that good now see it's not for me to decide or you know uh, uh my friends to decide if a particular scholarship will come to me or not right right, right. You, you should just apply like be don't be modest in your applications brag about yourself make yourself sound super fancy and make yourself sound as you're the best you know in a given thing apply and then apply for all these scholarships get in touch with the people get an idea as to how to write a particular scholarship application because every application is very different so you need to um, like focus on how a particular fa- scholarship application needs to be structured and write and be aggressive about it like get it because in the end if you ask me is it very tough to get it no it's not you need to be super consistent in asking for money because it is important because you know education i again feel is one area where it's not worth spending your life uh you know uh, like the, the lifetime savings right mm-hmm. so um i've taken a loan i've taken a loan but the point is in the end it's always uh it'll always be there right like yeah, i have to like fulfill this it's a it's, it's an obligation to fulfill in the end so yeah so of course i mean in the end it is important it is very important to like ask for the scholarships and get it like structure your applications properly and then do it accordingly so it will be super helpful that way yeah, that's some really good advice um what requirements um academic and non academic should one meet to get into to get admi- admitted to an llm course abroad so basically what kind of an application would be you know a good application or something that would be Uh, a high probability of getting selected to a course abroad um see uh, again it depends from university to university there is no one particular way of going about it mm-hmm. uh, uh yes there are some universities who require a very high academic standard but i wouldn't say that that is you know everything right in the end uh, ensure that there's a good balance of academics and good amount of co-curricular activities and extracurricular activities right it's very important to do that uh, so so that can only happen when you decide what your area of focus is and you work towards it right so that consistency is to be seen in your application with respect to your area of interest mm-hmm. okay so do that yes. so if you are interested in say arbitration as i said do moots in arbitration do write papers in arbitration and um like you can like intern and do all those things like just just do things related to that area so that you can show that okay this is my area of focus and i would want to hone it further by getting admission in your university because your uh, in your university so and so professors are there who who i would want to study under right so stuff like that and 
also with respect to marks uh because there are some universities which are very particular about marks how to overcome it would be to maybe just take a break after your university and work instead of directly applying to your llm right yeah. so if you get a work experience of at least 2 to 3 years you know in between that would be very helpful because then your marks will not play a huge role right because you've already gone way beyond your marks and you've performed well in your workspace you've done your writing you've done whatever that you can do to develop so that is very important uh to do so you can take a break in order to overcome that glitch of say maybe moderate marks or something while applying for nll okay that's a wonderful answer now coming to careers what kind of job opportunities are available abroad after an llm from a foreign university and do these opportunities increase if you have some prior work experience in india okay uh, i'm not the best to answer the question regarding job opportunities abroad because i myself haven't looked for jobs or applied for jobs abroad uh, i can maybe talk about um because again in us it's very different the way you write the bar in the us and then you know apply for your uh, vacation schemes and all that it works differently in the uk what they do is especially for corporate law again i'm not the expert in this so uh, i would not really know a lot but what what we were uh, asked to do is maybe apply for a vacation scheme in various um firms in the uk and if they select you that will be really good because that would be like a 3 week internship and after which you can apply for a traineeship and then you have to clear your bar and then you would be become an associate right so it's a long process it's a long process in the uk with respect to corporate firms uh, similarly for litigation you have the barrister route for firms you have the solicitor route so there are two different routes uh however i did not apply for any of these with respect to academia i can say that the job opportunities abroad are really good uh because once you finish your llm naturally you can apply to various posts like research associates in a particular center like a lot of students after harvard what they do is they apply for the uh berkman clean center for internet and society and various other centers in various other law schools right uh bonnevoro center for human rights in oxford so these things are very helpful if you are applying for these centers and all as research associates so that is one way to go about it however in academia uh if you want to become a professor eventually like you start with uh, a lecturer assistant professor associate professor and then you become a professor a phd becomes very imperative so naturally you'll have to do a phd eventually right and after that yeah after you finish your phd i think the chances of getting through various other universities abroad become way better uh so there are a lot of great law schools who are constantly asking for positions of research and teaching uh so yeah so i feel like academia definitely is a place where you have good job opportunities abroad as opposed to uh i don't know i mean i'm really not sure about corporate firms and stuff so i really would not want to come Uh, on that, but academia is definitely really good. Okay, now with this we come to the last question of the interview. What is a career in research and academia offer which other other careers do not? Um, uh, time flexibility. I get to schedule my day the way I want it to. If I like, 
around my classes of course uh, but uh, they don't take my classes don't take away the larger chunk of the day right so uh, i get to schedule my time the way i want to this provides me with a lot of i think uh, at least for me it has provided me with a lot of mental stability i'm not constantly working under someone or i have to report to someone consistently right so that does not happen so that is there so that's that's a good point but the downside to this is if you're not really disciplined uh then it can you can just while away a lot of time because you'll have a lot of time naturally when you're taking classes maybe not because you have to read for your classes uh but otherwise when the time is not structured by an institution then it becomes quite difficult to like fill it in by yourself uh but uh well i mean at least in jindal i feel like uh um i've i've constantly been busy because if not teaching then we are uh writing something we have our writing and research requirements we consistently have to keep doing that but the good point is that i have my own pace and flexibility that i can fix like you know i don't have to be dependent on someone else or be reporting to someone regarding that so i think that flexibility the time to read whatever you want and you know devise your own courses create your own electives um um and constantly like being around students i think itself is a great uh, uh thing because you know it just makes you feel so chirpy all the time so i think these are the things that really help in uh being in academia apart from of course the fact that you are getting to just read so much more and uh, i feel like i've been able to um read a lot as um you know um I mean, the amount of reading that I've been able to do after joining academia is way more than what I was uh, doing otherwise, uh, be it in law school or otherwise. So I think, yeah, because it becomes a necessity, of course. But then it's nice; it's, it's a fun process if you really want to do it. Uh, so yeah, so that's one thing I think it offers: time and flexibility, and a lot of time to read. Okay, that's a wonderful answer. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing for this interview. I hope you stay safe and have a great time ahead. Thank you. Mm-hmm.